BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. I'm excited for today's podcast. I've been hoping to have my buddy Tyrus on the show since the very beginning. And this week, he was on Fox and Friends talking about the possible cage match between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. You've heard of that, right? Well, they apparently want to duke it out and raise money for veterans charities, which is a great cause. But honestly, in my opinion, I don't think it's ever going to happen. At any rate, our Fox and Friends producers thought it would be kind of funny to have Brian Kilmeade try to wrestle with Tyrus. And if you didn't see it that morning or on Gutfeld, where they had a field day about it, you can pretty much imagine what happened. Kilmeade didn't stand a chance. During the commercial break, as Brian was being given CPR, I'm kidding, sort of, I asked Tyrus if he could come and join me in the Fox News audio studios, which he did. What an awesome conversation. I know you're going to love it. So let's get to it. Please welcome the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, co-host of America's number one primetime comedy, The Greg Gutfeld Show, a Fox News contributor and New York Times bestselling author, Tyrus. Tyrus, (sighs) you made the Dean's List. Yes. First time (laughs) in my life. And it's not behavioral. So this good. is the most important Dean's list you'll ever make. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I've Probably wanted to, is. I've wanted to interview you for a long time. Um, I'm so in awe of you because you're just kind of a well, you're a regular guy. I know you have this big, incredible career of yours. You're famous. You've written best-selling books. You're on Gutfeld, but you are approachable. You're kind, you care about your family, and you care about this country. Yeah, well, I've been fired a lot. So, (laughs) no, and that's sometimes because it's very easy when you experience success to where people watch you, Mm -hmm. like um, like a crowd. Mm -hmm. And they'll cheer for you and they'll love you and you will eat that up and you will create a false representation of of who you really are. Yes. Because once... That's over. That crowd leaves, and you don't have anything. Hmm. So I've experienced that because I remember the first time I'd hear crowd. You get a big head, and you think you're bigger than your family. You're bigger than your friends because everywhere you go, somebody wants to buy your dinner or they want to take a picture of you. All that's superficial. Hmm. It does not last. And you will be a shiny object for a little while, and then a shinier object comes along. So you have to take that. Um, you have to think about that every time you are successful in something. You have to remember. Uh, it probably won't last. So, Where does that humility come from? I had to learn it the hard way. Uh, I think the first couple times, I was very good at being a self-sabotager for a long time because I would get to a certain point and just expect it to maintain that way. Hmm. And uh, usually when you're young, and like especially me with football, I started getting awards and letters from colleges. So you know, I didn't really have to. I started believing the thing, if you're good enough, they'll bend grades for you. They'll do this for you. Uh, a lot of uh, false 
hopes and star stuff that comes from getting a little bit of attention. So you have to you have to fail at it horribly, and I, and I did. And I think that is when, even with wrestling, when I got fired from the WWE, I was like, ah, no big deal. I'll figure something out. Um, during that time of figuring it out, <clears throat> there was it was times where I was literally ready to go work at, at Pizza Hut and make pizzas. So you have to do what you have to do. But when you're going through those tough times at rock bottom, that's when you know who you are. And I like that guy a lot better mm-hmm. because he's smart about what he does, his choices. He slows down when he makes his choices because everything has to count. And he doesn't take anything for granted. But you had that in you because I yeah. find <clears throat> that, you know, there are still people that have tremendous egos and it's part of this personality disorder, I think. Yeah. So I think you always you had that in you. Maybe you had a taste of something. I think everyone that gets in this business, this broadcasting world, you have to have a little bit of, like, I'm going to prove this. you got to have a chip. You know, there's a little bit of narcissism in it because you have to really believe in yourself mm-hmm. because you have to think what you have to say is more important than the 10,000 other people <laughs> who want your seat. So there is a certain to that. But I think just because the way I grew up, uh, my mother didn't let us, didn't give us anything. Everything we got, we had to earn. Mm. So even if something as simple as like wanting, you know, my kids and I, I catch myself all the time. Uh, my daughter is adorable, and she'll give me the, like, Daddy, I really want um, this action figure, this, this Squishmallow. And I'm like, okay, let's go to the bookstore and get it. And then as I'm driving to the bookstore, I'm like, what have you done to earn this? Yeah. And then, you know, she'll be like, well, I love you. I said, oh, well, the price of your love is a Squishmallow? So then I have to figure out, well, how are we going to earn this? Yes. You know, and, and so, but I get caught up in it. Because you like being able to go be able to, if your daughter asks for something, you can go get it for her, which is a nice feeling. But when I was growing up, if I was like, hey, I want this G.I. Joe action figure, she's like, great. You got to mow three lawns and you got to do this and that. And if I wanted it, I had to earn it. So I think that's that humbles you quite a bit. Yeah. You know, because you just don't have the ability to take things for granted. Tell me about your mom. Uh, my mom works. She she worked. I mean, all she did was work, and she had to. And she was hard because she was trying to raise two boys by herself. And on top of that, um, she was trying to raise two black young men without any experience or reference points. Mm. So a lot of the times, um, a lot of the social issues that would affect me and my brother, she didn't understand, not out of ignorance. She just didn't know because she that wasn't her life. Mm-hmm. And her one experience— uh, with a black man was horrible. My father was extremely abusive, and you know, and because of her courage, uh, I didn't end up like him because she could have laid down and just. But she had the courage to leave. But um, so she was hard on us. But I, I understand why because <clears throat> when you're learning as you're going with with kids, and as I found out as a parent, there is times when you just don't know what to do or how to reach them, and you know, and then at the same time, you have to deal with two. Especially myself, I was angry. I was mad that I never had a dad come to the games or my mom had to work a double. She was a nurse. She had to work nights and days to keep living in California, not a not a cheap place to live. So she had to work all the time. So she wasn't able to go to baseball games and stuff like that. And I think that's where a lot of the performing in front of the crowd, because I wanted someone to cheer for me. Yes. So I would become the crowd favorite. Yes. You know, I'd hit a home run with a flare or make a dive or do something to be noticed or say something funny. Uh, and that's where I started getting comfortable with the crowd more as like instead of one-on-one things i'd rather have five people cheer for me than one person watch me mm-hmm. do you mourn that relationship with your dad no no uh one of the th- and i tell this to 
and it was interesting, the other day I got a, a – I don't look at social media very much, but I got a tweet from a guy who said, I just finished your book, and he says, what you said about your dad I wish I would have said. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is that you have to forgive them. And I know people get confused sometimes. Not forgive them in the sense like you approach them and say, Father, I forgive you for right. being a complete D-bag <laughs> and never being there for anyone in your entire life but yourself. You have to forgive them for yourself. You have to let it go. You yes. have to say, this happened. We can't change it. This is what's good about it. This is what was bad about it. And this is what do I need to do to fix it? And for me, I just looked at his body of work as a human being and thanked my mother for not being a, making me be around him because chances are I could have ended up just like him. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I wanted to do was repeat um, the lost opportunity that he had at being somebody uh, – there's more important things than bars and women. And, you know, my mother instilled that in me. But once I was able to say this happened and it's okay it happened, and I had other – once I looked back and was like, man, my English – my history teacher, Mr. Ray, my football coaches, baseball coaches. Uh, we had – you know, I got lucky. We played outside in our neighborhood. So a lot of the neighborhood dads would come out and play with us and, and uh, you know, sleepovers and cookouts and – and uh, a few of my mom's boyfriends here and there were all right. So you look at the body of work in terms of like male role models, and I found I seeked them out. I found them. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. But I also realized that when I was having fun, when I was playing sports, when I was outside, I was never missing or looking for him because he was never there. You can't miss what you don't know. Right. So I think that's the biggest thing. I think sometimes young men they like to blame. Well, I didn't have a father. No, you didn't. But you there was some things in there if you focus on. Yes. And the other thing is you gotta you gotta be able to, to you gotta make your peace with it. You gotta cry it out one time or just 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 vent, get it out. Therapists are always good to talk to if you don't have uh, someone that you can rely on. But I think that was the biggest thing for me is like I never I knew what he was because I was old enough to see the abuse, so I didn't want him around. Mm. So it was never a case of like I missed him. Yes. Now there was that time when I was like thirteen and fourteen when I was like feeling myself and start you start to get you know your puberty and your little like man stuff coming in and I might have thrown it at my mother like you know I don't know my father because of you because that's Mm. you know you you act out or whatever but um I never missed him in those terms just because of I saw what he was it's Mm -hmm. not like a lot of situations where you have a good dad and there's a divorce yes and he ends up moving the other side of the country or whatever that's different and that's a whole different kind of uh Morning and understanding. Mine was, I, I knew what he was right away, so I really didn't dwell on him too much. Mm-hmm. I even changed my name myself at school. You did? Yeah. When? Um, when we moved to my junior high, and they said that uh, it was be, I was playing on organized sports because all the sports teams I had played on up to that, we never had names on the back of our jerseys. Oh. So it wasn't a big deal. So when I got to junior high, and they're like, yeah, you're, this will be your last name and stuff, and I just immediately, my legal last name was Clements, mm-hmm. George Clements Jr. Was and I never went by junior, and I was like, I don't even know him. So, and my mom's trying, so I just filled out Murdoch, and no one questioned me. And before I knew it, it was like it was on my jerseys. I remember my mom goes, "How did you get your name?" (laughs) I said, "I told him that's my last name." And then when I got my report card, it said Murdoch, and it just nice. The the school principal was like, when I made my case, he was like, "All right, young man, makes sense to me. I wouldn't want to rock his name either." So he put he made the change, and I've been I've been a Murdoch ever since. uh, Was it the ninth grade? It's a good story. When did you know you excelled at sports? When I started 
<laughs> when when white men started paying a lot of attention to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when you were two. <laughs> you know, when I started, like, whenever I walked on the field and the guys with hats and whistles would come walking <laughs> over, I kind of figured out real quick, like, hey, maybe there's something to this. Uh, so it was football first? It was baseball okay. first. Uh, and then um, we played a lot of street ball when I was a kid, like. We were outside every day. I mean, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, it, everybody was outside playing every day. And we had a lot of kids in our neighborhood, and it was competitive. It was our our basketball games, our baseball, and our football. We were always outside. Uh, and then uh, when I transitioned to high school, um, football was a little slow at first because it was a big adjustment because I had played basketball, baseball, and had success. And football was different. Just wearing the helmet was weird. At first, but I settled in and and just I would have moments where the coach would be like, "How did you do that?" Mm. And then I would go back to like fumbling and kind of figuring out. And then, okay, wait a minute. There's this moment. There's this like high school was kind of like I had. And then of course, um, I got kicked off the team my junior year. And then just to come back my senior year was just I knew that I was going to be. Uh, eating crow and a lot of kids probably wouldn't have came back because the coach was like, I, the coach basically was like, you can try out again, but I don't know if I'd ever want you back. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I showed up and I guess that was the test, you know. Showed up. And, um, you know, then I started to experience success. But when I got into college, things really changed. I think that's when uh, I grew into my body and where I'd be kind of uncoordinated in the weight room. They could never figure out how strong I was because I always had balance issues with the bar and stuff because my shoulders and arms were really long. But everything kind of figured itself out that that summer, and then that's when I went from – that's when the bench press numbers went up, and I started getting really strong but being able to use my strength, where before sometimes my strength would be used against me. So it was just kind of college when things kind of came together, and that's when the success started in letters and dinners and trips and – and friendships that normally probably wouldn't have happened because of sports. And I enjoyed that for, for quite some time. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Give me some advice because, you know, my son really has not played a lot of sports and he's going into high school and he does play touch football with his buddies and he enjoys it a lot. My husband, you know, got injured playing football. And so he always worries about that, about the ambulance on the side of the the field. Uh, But we've come to the realization we're going to let him try it. I think you have to let him try it for him to not want to do it or do it because you always hear like, the sins of the father, the parent, doesn't necessarily mean it falls over on the on the child. Yes. The good news is, and I would say this, because he's experienced injuries in football, he knows what to look for. Mm. So he can use. You got to use that. <clears throat> Sometimes the wisdom from something that doesn't quite work out the way you wanted it to is just as powerful as the wisdom from success. Mm. So if you notice a limp, if you notice the his shoulders a little off, the collarbones a little off, mm-hmm. you'll be like. Son, are you feeling this way? Because I remember this and that, and you can be preemptive about it. So yes. sometimes going through an injury as a as an athlete, and then your kids are coming up in the same sport, you know what to look for. Okay. 
And also when they're going through it, you have the wisdom to say, it's going to be all right. Mm. I turned out just fine. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not, maybe, you know, Saturdays and Sundays aren't going to be your thing, but you tried it and I'm proud of you. So I think you kind of let him go. And here's the thing. He might, because I'm in a similar situation. My son is 11. He's six one, and he wants to play football, mm-hmm. but I won't let him because of uh, 11 to 13, for especially for boys, is a crazy growth year. Okay. And his body's growing all over the place. Yes. And one of the things is like, and I coach youth football with Snoop, and I was adamant about making all my kids play with their hands. I wouldn't let anybody shoulder hit. Okay. Matter of fact, if I caught you hitting with your shoulder or leading with your head, you had to run laps. So because I was so concerned with – because kids are like little tanks. Yes. They'll, they'll hurt a collarbone, chip a bone. You won't hear a word about it. Mm. And then all of a sudden when they're 16 and 17, they're having all these issues because of the injuries they had accumulated because you're still hitting high contact. I'm, yes. I'm – for me as a parent, no on Pop Warner football. Doesn't mean I'm not saying other people you do what you want with your kids, but for me, no. There's enough sports out there. Football is the last thing that you need to attempt in terms and this is just my opinion. Okay. Basketball, baseball, hand eye coordination, footwork, great. Less opportunities for collisions. Um, same thing with soccer, swimming, dance, those type of things. If you want you, if you're serious about your kid playing football, you put them in all those things. Yes, you put your sons in dance because of footwork. Because that's going to be the difference between being really good and being talented is if you have the footwork. So uh, my son agreed to all those things. And then I took it a step further. He currently trains a a Division I, D1 facility in Orlando. He's doing football, like he's training for the combine, Hmm. even though he's just having a blast. And he's having, he's at that age where he's learning the weight, being in the weight room, the discipline. He's got coaches and trainers. And he's, he goes three times a week and he loves it. And most guys are going there to get ready for the NFL or they're getting ready. And I'll see these when I come in to see him and I'll see these grow. I'm like, is that your. Son, how old is he? 15, 16? I'm like, no, he's, he just turned 11. And they're like, what? You know, he just broke the 11th. <laughs> he's not supposed to be lifting weights because his body's still growing, yeah. but you have to put something on the bar okay. because he's just too strong. Mm-hmm. So he broke the record for 11 year olds bench press like two weeks ago, and he was so proud of himself. <laughs> and I was proud of him. I said, what are, what are we doing, coach? He's like, listen, I, I got to put something on there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but he's experiencing it. But at the same time, my son, also would rather customize his action figures all day. Mm. So it might come a time where there's this, he's 6'10", jacked, and he'll look at me and be like, Dad, I really want to paint. Oh. And that's fine. That's fine. Like, that's the thing is you, it's got to be their choice. Yes. You're just there to guide them. I can't stand the parents who, like, I made it this far in football, and so my son's going to make it to the pros. Oh, I know. And if it's not his – and sometimes you need to look in the mirror genetically mm-hmm. and be like, I overachieved – Hopefully my son will overachieve, but I also need to understand yeah. and prepare him for other things so he doesn't end up like me missing something that he never was going to get in the first place. Right. So that's the biggest thing is like you can't, as a former athlete, or I'm still an athlete, getting ready to retire, I think I'm going to retire this year or next year from wrestling, um, and that'll be it. But I don't ever push my sports stuff on my kids. Yeah. Because I also know the work that goes into it, the mm-hmm. sacrifice, and, and just because my kids might share some of my physical traits, doesn't necessarily mean that sports is their life. And that's fine. As long as they're doing something, I don't care. What about your daughter? Now, my daughter is a killer. Well, <laughs> my nine-year-old's a killer. Uh, her soccer is, she's mad serious about her soccer. We were watching the World Cup, and to say that 
she was peeved is polite. Mm. The, the kick that missed. Yeah. My daughter said, if you were stopped doing commercials and focus on practice, maybe you could make that wow. kick. That was from a nine-year-old who was just furious. Yep. Um, but she's she really likes sports, swimming, uh, basketball. She likes to, she likes to wrestle with me a lot. But um, sports might be her thing. But with me, she's into sports and chasing snakes in the backyard. And with her mom, she's dressing up and doing like the little makeup model. So she's got it. She's pretty much got it down the line to where she's she does the girl girl stuff with her mom, and then yeah. then she'll come up with with her overalls on and a, literally a frog sticking in her back pocket. <laughs> and you know she just got in trouble. She snuck a, a gecko over to her friend's house, and they lost it. So I got what? a I got a text last night from the dad saying, "Hey." Uh, any chance you're missing a, a black gecko? And I was like, oh, no. Um, and her mom doesn't like the animals. So okay. the animals have to stay in my zoo. And so you have my, a zoo? Yeah, I have a zoo. And my daughter, one of her favorite is I have a midnight black uh, leopard gecko. And they're, they, it's awesome. And she likes to carry it around in her pocket all the time. And she took Are it to her friends. Are they friendly? Friend's yeah, they're friendly. They're li- here. They're... <laughs> Show me a picture. Actually, I've seen on Instagram you do post some of your... Geckos I don't post and- a lot of personal stuff. I I got away from that because especially with I've noticed there's been a lot of bot trolls just attacking Fox News workers. Yep. And I'm you can attack me all day long, I don't care. But when when a grown adult is making comments about my daughter, yeah, it's terrible. Or my I wife don't post stuff, any pictures and, of my kids at all ever. And now. I just and uh, and it's hard sometimes because people are like, oh, you know, I want to see that part of your life, but nope. I just I just don't really care. But these are these. Oh, are, that is kind of cute. They, but they walk around like they like they're dinosaurs. But <laughs> they do. Yeah. My kids would love. They that. are a blast, and we have a ton of them because I'm I'm breeding part of the breeding program stuff I'm doing, but. Um, she snuck it off, and <laughs> and uh, I had to call her and talk code to her. This is the one that she snuck off with. Holy mo- – and that's – like, that's, that's a colored midnight. picture. Yeah, yeah. And it's black. Yeah, and, it, and the sister looks like that. Oh, my goodness. So we c- cross all the different colors, and it's like – it's just like when you're in – with my kids, it's like, you know, in science class, you have the guinea pigs, yeah. and you have the white guinea pig and the brown guinea pig, and you put them together, and then you do the little yeah. box. I'll have two brown guinea pigs, and I'll have one white guinea pig and a brown and white. It's the same thing with the. Did you just come geckos. up with that? Like you're gonna this, you're gonna breed these things? Well, we started. She wanted to do it, and the problem is, is that we started with my fish because I have a huge monster fish collection, and I have so much fry, which is baby fish. But the problem is, I never like giving them away to people. So why is that? Because I'm like, whenever when it comes to pets. I always want a formal interview. Like, what kind of person are you? I love that. You know, and a lot of times, like, when they'll be like, oh, I want this fish. And I'm like, well, do you know anything about the water temperature, mm, the feeding habits? It's a habits, big or deal. We and had a like, fish, yeah. and it was a, we spent a lot of money on this fish. And they're just like, oh, this, okay, thanks. Have a good day. Like, I'm good. <laughs> oh, sorry. Like, you have 500 of them. Sorry. They're just, you're not the right fit. Sorry. And after a while of that, I just stopped doing it. <laughs> How did you get to Fox? I still don't know. <laughs> Guess. There was never a time in my life where I was like playing football or wrestling. And I was like, you know what, fellas, this stuff doesn't work out. I'm going down to Fox News and tell <laughs> like it is. Like I still, uh, I guess it's Greg's fault. Yeah, uh, he reached out to me. It was the weirdest thing. He just somebody was trolling him, uh, and somehow wrestling got caught in up in okay. it, and somehow I got tagged into it. 
and I saw this troll was just running his mouth, and I just I chimed in, and I just said, because I don't even know how we got put together. And I knew Greg from Red Eye. I hadn't seen the Gutfeld mm-hmm. show yet, but I had seen Red Eye, especially traveling on the road. By the time I get to the hotel, that's usually all that was on. Yeah. So I was familiar with him, but not to the point where like I would be taking up arms for him. But And the guy was just running his mouth. I said, hey, maybe you just don't know us very well. Maybe if we flew you out and hung out for the day, got something to eat, maybe catch a movie, you know, and the guy was like, oh my God, sounds awesome. Can I bring my friend? <laughs> and I just wrote back, no, and then blocked him. <laughs> <laughs> and I get a message from Greg going, that was hilarious, man. Any chance you'd ever want to come on the show? And yeah. I was like, yeah, right. Like me and Fox News, what am I going to talk about? But, uh, you know, then I came on and did a show one time in the first commercial break. He was like, hey, if you lived in New York, I'd make you a co-host. And I was like, I'm not moving to New York, so this is a – I thought it was like a one-off. And he was like, hey, what about once a month? And I was like, sure. Wow. Why not, as long as it interfered with my wrestling stuff and acting stuff. And it didn't, and it just kind of grew from there. And then probably the biggest thing was uh, we were, there was there was a string of alleged police brutality videos out there. I think there was like four or five. It had gotten uh, pretty bad, and this was before the George Floyd stuff went down. But one in particular was, in, I think it was a gentleman, I think Sterling was his name, but it happened in Louisiana, and and there was the, and he wanted me to talk about it, and I really didn't want to because uh, I had been on both sides of, uh, I've been, I've experienced the bad cops, and I've also experienced the good cops, and I was like, and I was worried about, I'll go on there, and if I say what I have to say, it's going to piss a lot of people off. And do I really want that kind of heat, you know? Mm-hmm. And and then at the same time, it's like no one's saying anything. So um, I thought long and hard about it. And because I'm a firm believer, you can have two thoughts on the same subject. Yes, I agree. And especially when it comes to policing, you can love and support the police department yes. and despise bad cops. Correct. Just like you love and support your doctor, but you hate bad doctors, yes. as you should. So I went on there with that, and I and I made one comment where I said, and when you resist arrest, that doesn't make you Rosa Parks. It makes you a criminal. Mm-hmm. Like resisting arrest is against the law. You, Your goal and my message is every time I got pulled over, I knew I was three times the size of the cop. I'm light-skinned. I got tattoos. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that he – feel safe and I'm going home. Mm. Even if that means if he's a complete jerk and he's like, hey, you're going to jail for expired license tag, which I would know if my stuff was expired or not in the first place. So let's just keep that real. Yeah. Uh and and but regardless, I'm gonna even if I'm spending that in jail, I will get out. Mm-hmm. But I'm going home. Yeah. Like my role is to go home. And I've I've had it. I've been and I can speak from experience. I've had, unfortunately, I had a pistol to my head. From a, a, a scared cop, I know what that feeling's like. I've closed my eyes and just said, wait for it to be over. But and also at the same time, I've been stuck on the side of the road and a cop's pulled over in the middle of the night and helped me out. I've been furious in an argument in a relationship where a cop was able to like help me get my stuff and get out because I'm a giant man. And I can't be in a situation where I get into a physical altercation with a woman. Like, she wants to hit me and yell at me. And I just remember the police officer was there. And he's like, let's just let her cool off. I will come back with you so you can get your stuff. Like, they they have been there 
a thousand times more than those two bad instances, but that doesn't mean those two bad incidents shouldn't be recognized. Right. But it shouldn't take away from the police department as a whole. Mm -hmm. So that was the argument that I made. And apparently I made that argument and it became the most watched, viewed clip at Fox at the time. And and then after that, Greg was like, we need you here. Yes. God bless you. Uh, Because I think we have gotten to this black and white moment where it's either this or this and and there's no in between. And I hate it. You can have two thoughts and we... We've gotten because the cheap, easy thing now, especially in politics, is such an easy hustle. And politics and wrestling is not that far off. Mm. It really is not. You go out there, you tell the crowd what they want to hear, or if you want to make the crowd hate you, you tell them what you don't want to hear. Yeah. So I can see through. I call it a promo, uh, and that's what we call it in the bit when a politician's cutting a promo and he's trying to tell you everything you want to hear, but there's no substance to it. Yeah. You know, and uh, and that's. Uh, whenever I see that, I'm more worried about that politician than I am the politician that can actually tell you bad news because mm. that is the lost art. No one ever gives you bad news anymore. No one ever says, listen, I don't have the votes to get this across, so I'm going to try this. No one does that. And American people, we can take bad news. What we can't take or apologize. Anymore, or apo- yeah, well, when it's warranted, yeah. Uh, uh, apologizing for speaking your mind, no. Mm-hmm. But apologize for making a mistake, yeah. yeah. Like, the fam- like when I watched yesterday – the fam- the Gold Star family speak. Yes, it just it twisted every gut. It just bothered me. Yes, that the the resounding message was they forgot about us as soon as it was over. Yes, you know, and I think and I'm like that's a reflection, and it's not a Republican or or Democratic thing. That's a reflection of the office that we have right now. Mm-hmm. That speaks. That should speak volumes to every voter. Is the one group, and was it 13? 13, We lost 13. Those 13 families should have been made, should have been, even if it was behind closed doors or whatever, you tell them, you apologize, and because they're never going to get this back. Don't make it worse when you lose somebody you love, and then you got to deal with a lie on top of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they've paid their price. And if it, it's you, since you're not going to acknowledge it anyways, what would have killed you just for that moment? You know, but yes. I think one of the and I don't want to get into I'm not into president bashing, but telling a mother, you know, how she feels is it's just terrible. You just don't in passing. Yes. When you you don't your situation was completely different. Mm-hmm. You even had time to say goodbye. Yes. Um. So that but that goes into just being able to say that and also from the other side of it. To look at it from the the ugliness is that they're not going to tell you anything and they're not really in it for you. The job doesn't pay for as long as people senators and as long as they stay in office. The job doesn't pay enough for it. But yet they all have mansions. And that's the stuff that we should be asking. <laughs> You're right. I agree with you. Would you ever get into politics? Yes, to end it. <laughs> I would get in it for – well, for one – I would get in it for no other than term limits. Uh, I would run on two things. And I, I said this at my – I do a Q&A at the end of my stand-up shows. And that, lately, it's been a lot of – I don't know why the fans – I asking, love that. They keep asking me, would you run for president? And yeah. I just laugh. And uh, I'm like, I'm allergic to bullets. So um, – <laughs> but it would be it simple. That would be term limits. And I would even be cool about it. I'd throw a big party. 
Mm-hmm. I wouldn't invite. I wouldn't want anybody else to come to make sure they're all home watching on TV. <laughs> it's going to be a huge party with senators and, and congressmen and and uh, their constituents. They'll have them all in there, and they'll have music, and we'll do it like Miss Pivish used to do in my neighborhood. She used to bring trees before she told your mom that she saw you sneaking out of the house at night. <laughs> so it'll be a big soiree, a big party, and then right when they're done, I just. Yep. Open a little box and be a little black pen and executive order term limits. If you serve more than twelve years, thank you for your service as of effectively immediately. And then as they were leaving, I would have those IRS agents that they hired waiting from the bottom just to make sure everything's on the up and up. We want to make sure they're prepared for their life as civilians and their taxes are in order. Uh, that would, and the second thing is if and I don't understand why this isn't a thing. Veterans shouldn't pay taxes. Yeah, they pay taxes with their body. They, their boots are on the ground keeping us safe. They shouldn't have to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. And <coughs> if a, a soldier gave their life or lose their life while in, in duty of, and protect, giving us the rights to sit here and talk about all this stuff, their family shouldn't pay taxes. Yes. Their family's got to go through Christmas without them. Mm-hmm. They got Their sons and daughters grew up without them. So this isn't even hard stuff. And, the, and I did the math. Soldiers make up less than 7%, So which means it's not even a blip on the tax thing. Since you won't give them raises, you won't do – I mean, if you've been to a VA hospital, if you've seen (coughs) – it's disgusting the way that they're treated. So at the very least, at least give them something. And so keep your tax money and allow them to use that to get on with their lives or educate themselves and do more things, have more programs set up for them. When a soldier comes home, it should be a good thing. Mm -hmm. It should be open arms and are we going to school? Are we going to a trade? What are we – what's our next move? Not – sitting there and then having to redeploy because it's the only way that they can keep food on the table. Like yeah. So there's, and those are fixable things, mm-hmm. but they're not sexy and you're not going to make any money doing it. And unfortunately we don't have a lot of boosters who are willing to cut million dollar checks to protect veterans. They'll cut a million dollar checks to make sure that they can grow their kale leaves wherever they want to, mm-hmm. but they won't, no one will invest in our, in our soldiers. So that's, but that's a very fixable thing. And I don't understand why, no politician has even considered it because it's an easy win. And again, they're not. it's not that big a number. You want recruitment up? That would do it. Yeah, you're right. And the recruitment is down. Yeah. The morale's down. We we love it. The, com, the first world complaining about the best place to live in the world has gotten to where it is out of control. So many people that have been so successful – who have made things out of life and, and the color of their skin, their size, all that stuff no longer is a factor anymore. It's not. And they still act like it is. And they sit on the top of their mountain of success and complain about it. And that's one of the biggest problems in this country is if you if you, if you you are telling me the system's not for you and you've done everything you can and you got four kids but you can't get a job, I'm going to look. I want to look. I want to understand, like, where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Why is that? Why can't you connect the dots? Why can't you move to the next level? And chances are if we look, we'll find the reason. Just a lot of people don't like the reason. Mm-hmm. The reason's in the mirror. Yeah. Well, sounds like you've thought about it. I mean, yeah. those things that you just told me are... But that's just off the top of my head. That was just like sitting there. I got asked a question. <laughs> so I know that it's not like I'm not Nostradamus. So it's a very simple thing to do. But to... we need more of that. We need more people just thinking of ways to approach it. Without, you know, dynasty politicians or those that have been in power for so long, they know nothing else. No, and your fight, uh, and again, I, before we started, I was talking about like how I feel like 
you're one you're a modern day hero. I really believe that. And and just your reaction is is what makes you that is that people pick fights all the time or fight for a cause. You never stopped. And they and they were coming for everything. I thought at one point there was going there was enough pressure they were going to try to get your job. You know, it was just the, it was just nonstop. And uh, and all you did was you just reminded everyone every day of what the truth was. That was what you did. You didn't exaggerate it. You didn't you didn't make it another thing. You didn't monetize yourself off it. You know, you fought because you were fighting for your loved ones. And and that's what it is to be a hero. And when you go into something knowing this could cost me because there, you weren't alone, but you were alone. Stand. There were people that were there, and I'll give credit where credit is due, but you st- even when it was over, you're like, it's not over. No, it's still it's, going. Yeah, like I'm, we're not still done. Still going. Yeah. Three years later, we are. We still have things up our sleeves. Yeah, you know, and that and that's the type of commitment. That's as American as it gets. Mm. Is you take a fight, then you know you're going to take an L in, but it's not about the win or the loss. It's about somewhere somebody's going to know because then the next time this happens, maybe someone will be like, no. We've seen this before, and it's not going to happen. Yeah. So you're you're planting seeds to a tree that you might not ever see grow. Well, and that means a lot because you know it does powerful. get it does get discouraging, and yep. you do meet people that are fighting the same fight, and those people are the ones that keep you going. Right. Um, but the one thing I do know is that the grieving families and the Gold Star families, they're not going to forget, How and can they're you? not going to shut up. Nor should they. Every birthday, every Christmas, every holiday, every spaghetti Tuesday that they had in their house, their loved one's not going to be there. Yeah. So they're not going to forget it. And they're going to be reminded of of the way. And even hearing them when they were talking yesterday, when they were like, oh, they died instantly. You can't talk to a veteran's family that way. Right. They, they're not stupid. Yeah. They've been in the game for a long time. You know, and they knew from witness high, they had to find out, they had to go interview witnesses. To find out what themselves. happened themselves, to find out what happened to their children. Yep. There's a problem with that. That's I have a problem with that, mm-hmm. and I don't understand where are senators. Where are this is? I don't want to hear you arguing over. Did you know at this point was there you know how many naked pictures on the laptop? How about showing up? And I'm not taking away anything was going on with that, but I'm just saying that's a real people thing that can easily be fixed. Yes, and all it took was one or two people of. But there's no the problem is there's no money in it. Until we get big donors that are don't, cutting checks, maybe this is what Elon's next move is to start dumping money and become a lobbyist for veterans, you know, because we're just not, if you're not, or, or families or old folks' homes like this. Sometimes I, when I look at other countries, they take care of their elderly. They respect, they look to elderly for wisdom. Yes. In America, we got in this thing where we just put them in a box and yeah. like, oh, we don't have time. We don't have time. And I think that's, and that's, Sometimes the best place for your loved one is in a facility, mm-hmm. and there's reasons for that. Yep. But that doesn't mean when something's wrong, they get treated less than. Exactly. And that's the it's it's not the, the families are doing the best they can. Nobody wants to put their parents in a home. No. Nope. Nobody wants to. But sometimes that's the best thing to do for them. So I advocate for that a thousand percent. But their voice shouldn't be less loud. Exactly. And I think that it's almost was a comfortable loss. I hate to say it that way, mm-hmm. but like that's the way it looked to me. It was like, well, it was a, com- you know. Right. Yeah. He didn't feel it. Crack a few eggs, you know, and that's, that's kind of been the what we've seen across the board 
of all of politics is ah, crack, the, the stuff we see with the crimes in the cities. Yes. Oh, it's just that, you know, it'll level Look out. Look away. It'll level out. Eventually, yeah. they won't. Bad people. We have this this thing in this country where we're afraid to say there's bad. we have bad human beings. We have awful human beings in this country mm-hmm. that exploit, that will take every liberty, every offering, and there's and it's not just one or two. Unfortunately, it's an entire it's starting to look like an entire generation that is just focused on taking from other people and don't care how they get it. And that, and w- when you have government steps in and goes, you know what? We're not going to arrest you if you steal $900 worth of stuff. We're not going to arrest you if you walk into a 7-Eleven and start ripping every cigarette off the wall. Right. No, but we will arrest them for defending themselves. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Upside down world. Well, it's, it, is it or isn't it? And this is where I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but if you want a new way of doing things, you have to stop the people from fighting back. Mm. So you make an example of the store owners who fought back yeah. so that other store owners don't. Mm. And then you say, well, you rely on your insurance. You and I, are, we both, we have to count our, we have to pay our bills and make sure everyone has their stuff. You In Louisiana, we have hurricanes, right? And if, we, if your house gets hit with a hurricane over and over again, eventually the insurance company drops you. Yes. Not fair, not right, but that's what they do. Oh, you've had three hurricanes, just bad luck, and uh, we can't afford to cover you anymore. Mm-hmm. You have to sell your house. Move on. We're dropping you. It's the same thing with these small businesses. They're, they're going to balloon their costs for insurance more and more and more. Eventually, then they'll be like, you know what? You're just too much of a risk. And then what do the shop owners do? They have no insurance now. Now when somebody comes in to steal just a candy bar, you're going to see somebody get shot. Yeah, because they have to, and they, but they'll be the bad guys. Mm. Not the we've lost away, but the, that's the message. That's the socialist thing. Is but maybe we have to hit rock bottom. Oh, I think I think we're we're there. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. We got another day of NBA action, and with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Twenty-one plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Ten dollars first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com/sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Now I travel the world, and I, I travel especially doing my stand-up shows. I travel all over the country, and I specifically this summer uh, hit the Midwest because I wanted to show my kids. That part of the country because it gets so forgot, it gets no yeah. airtime. Flyover country. And uh, you know, we were in Idaho and Montana, and actually, I bought more land when I was in Montana. But um, what a great place to buy land! Oh, it was phenomenal. But Idaho doesn't get enough love credit. either. Wow, yeah. just wow. And I, I got a chance to. I went on the Shaw Ranch, and then uh, he was basically he's the real Yellowstone. Wow, this dude is the real Yellowstone, and he was. I was just coming through to do a show. And uh, my wife got an uh, email or a phone call and was like, hey, uh, we're really big fans and we'd like to pick him up at the airport. <laughs> that is amazing. And, you know, we'll drive him to his venue and to the airport. And it was like a 
limousine van, but it was like a detail. I was like, it was like bodyguards. I was like, bro, I don't need all this. You know, like <laughs> my daughters were like, yes, we do. You know, and they had snacks for them and thing. And I'm like, are we getting kidnapped? Like what's going on here? And, uh, and, uh, the, which is really cool. And it's like a secret place, I guess, but I won't dwell too much on location, but, uh, all the young servicemen, Navy SEALs, expert shooters, they go to this guy to wow. learn how to shoot. Wow. He's trained probably every mark, just about every marksman. And so they come in and he's give me a tour of this amazing place. It's the it's the greatest place a man could ever go to. It's like Disney World for men. <sighs> All the shooting and it had ducks and deer everywhere and he it's like on five hundred acres and I was watching the one, and they have a, a board, right? And they got this board where the top shooters are on there, and the number is thirty. You got to get thirty hits. Okay. And I think it's like a minute, and it, and but it's handgun, rifle, assault rifle. He has to rotate. Okay. Between the two, and it's watching That's this crazy. watching this kid go right, and he's like boom, 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 and I'm watching it now, and, and this is the part where, especially journalists, because journalists used to be on the ground and check things out. Everyone wants to tell a police officer or an army or uh, a serviceman or woman like what they should have done in an instant. Mm. So it looks like a bowling ball pin when it pops up. But if it's a flat head, it's a bad guy. Yes. If it's rounded, it's a good guy. Okay. But it's a white, I mean, it's just one, whack, one second, not yeah. even a second. Yeah. And he's got 20 of them coming up. Boom, boom, boom. You cannot hit the good guys. <gasps> so you have a split second to determine and they always have one pops up on the side. So the guy's like boom, boom, boom. Like and he has he's just moving to these to this parts and he's and he's doing and I'm watching this go down. And my daughter leans over to me, she's like, This is why I'm joining the army. And I said, sweet, because anybody comes to the house and you shoot like that, I got nothing to worry about. <laughs> and she's nine years old and she's her and a dog are, are joining the army together. So uh, I didn't even try to suspend. I love about. it, actually. So he's doing the thing, boom, 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 and he gets to 29, and he mistakenly puts the handgun not back in the right way of the holster. Okay. Which costs him. So then yeah. he's got to fumble it, and you hear him yell an adult word. <laughs> and and uh, he and what happens is, is when you don't make it, when you try, yeah. you have to climb this hill and ring a bell and call yourself another word. And... <laughs> He, they turn and look and say, listen, we're not going to have him do that because your daughter's here. My daughter's like, don't let that stop you. You haven't heard my dad talk. So, you know, but it was like one of the coolest places and, and um, guys come in privately to do duck hunting or whatever. But I was like, there was stuff going on where you forget there's so many like, and I hate using the word young people, but I'm 50 now. So I guess I get to do that. You can do it. But like you're seeing young people excel and parts of our country is like good and like doing their damn thing. And there was groups of young men coming in. It was just wow. like, and we went to, I went to four different shooting sites, you know, and I was like, this is awesome. You know, and uh, uh, the marksmen, the guys that were shooting like half a mile away, like that was just insane. But like, it was like, you know what? I see this and these guys aren't on TikTok. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like these dudes don't have time. They yeah. they are do, going out doing their thing. So when you mm -hmm. see that, and you go into towns and you see girls come walking up, like in Montana, every young lady had on jeans and boots that had marks on them because they've been busy all summer. Yes. You know, people been outside doing their things and no one had an eye. I went to a restaurant and I looked around and I was like, nobody's on their phone. 
Wow. This is crazy. I know. And I then just... I turned and looked and I was like, we are. Get off your phone. Yeah. Get off your, give me them. Give me them all. Give me them all. I'm bagging them up. My youngest went to camp for two weeks and they took away all of the devices. And I just thought it was fabulous. And he was, he was good with it. You know? Yeah, the first, t- about an hour, your kids will act a fool. Because <laughs> yeah. I, do, I do it every weekend when I come home. Yeah. Give me them all. Good for you. And I am the worst dad in the world for those 45 minutes. And then I'll, and then slowly come around like, can we go swimming? I'm like, yeah. are you sure it is you want to download a pool and cyber swim? <laughs> and they're like, no, I want to go swimming. And then we'll go. And then I'm the greatest dad in the world because I can still throw him 10 feet in the air. So as you saw, would kill me this morning. And we didn't even talk about yeah. that. He did his best, though. He did. He's, he did a, he's a good sport. He was. He, I think his his ego got a little hurt, but I he's like good. He's good with that, though. He's good with the. Kill me is awesome, isn't he? He's one of my favorites. Yeah, he just really take is. a day off. That's one thing I ask him. Like, take a day off. Like, he went on vacation with his family to For Italy. Two weeks, yeah, I know. and I said he was still texting me at three in the morning. Of course he was. I was right? like, did I'm you like, leave Brian? it alone? Did you leave it alone? Well, we we'll leave him alone because like he's baby amazing. Steps. What? So you said you might retire in a year. How are you From feeling about yeah. that? Um. Yes, wrestling. Yeah. Um, you can't leave us. No. I not got, allowed. Not, not my plan. Not yet. No bumps, as we say in the business, feels a lot better. <laughs> the bumps are getting hurting more. Okay. And honestly, my kids are getting really into their stuff. Okay. And I basically went to them because when I have to wrestle, I got to train. And then I, it's a weekend. A TV taping is like four days. So those are four days that's kind of taken away from me being at soccer practice or baseball practice. And it's like, and I, I sat down with my kids and I'm sitting across from the four of them. And I said, daddy needs to ask y'all a question. Are you cool with, since you all, I kept wrestling. So every one of you could see me wrestle. Mm. You've all been to my shows. You guys have been to the sports stuff. Are you guys cool with, with me hanging them up? And across the board, they're like, yeah, wow, it's our time. Cause then you won't have to travel to wrestling. That's yeah. one less thing that you have to do. So when your kids say that, it's it's time and um no one ever wants to see the end but even at my last match like it took like usually it takes me like two days and now it's taking me four and even uh, i got like i said i have my my big tile defense coming up and it could be my last one um in august 29th i'm defending at the chase and uh, i put in a stipulation if i lose i retire so wow so uh yeah and once you say the r word mm. it's it's pretty much it but i had a great i had a great run and i had a good time doing it and and uh i realized that most of the runs while i was still doing it was just to hang out in the locker room with the guys yeah. and just run my mouth and i'm like you know what i could probably do i said you know what we might have to be civilians and actually plan visits instead of we all just hang out in a locker room for 12 hours and... right there's a show there i think you could have on fox nation where we you just guys... You don't ever see us wrestle. Exactly. We just sit in the back and just talk trash the I, whole day. I think that would be fascinating. And then and then go out and wrestle and then come back and then go right back to our little spots. And yes. Just, my wife's like, what do you talk about for 12 hours? I'm like, it's just hanging out. I don't, you know, you hold court, you tell stories, you pick on the new guys. Like, it's just, it's. it's Sounds a, like a firehouse, actually. Yeah, it's all, they're all across the board. Like, that's the one thing that, that uh, I miss. Locker room is the last frontier. Mm. The locker room is the last place where men can still be men and crack jokes and not worry about uh, a, a safe Offending space and people. all that kind of stuff. Yep. And it's like uh, that's the hardest part to let go of because once once you're not once you retire or once you become office like you become a you know an agent or whatever, 
it's over. The, it's you're no longer that, and it's over. So I think that's the thing I was holding on to the most. But uh, my kids spoke pretty loud, mm. and uh, they prefer me to be at their games than coming to my matches. So uh, once they said that, I think it was, and it was just making about the decision about when. So I think uh, if not this one, the next one for sure. Okay, uh, we got a new book coming out, right? Yep, no when? said uh, comes out Thanksgiving week. Oh, that's exciting! My favorite holiday. That's your favorite holiday. Oh, it's because it's the one holiday that she's not allowed to dictate anything I do. I, <laughs> she has to cook to my specifications exactly how I want it, uh, all the way down to and I want my cranberry out the can. Yeah. Um, and because Christmas, I have to build stuff. Okay. And I have to put up trees, and yep. I have to do all that kind of fun. I have to do all that fun stuff, and I'll, you know, my kids aren't listening to this, so I have to stay up late and. Build all stuff to watch Santa Claus get all the credit. Okay. While I sit there. Well, and, he does do some stuff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he gets all the credit. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I do is I every year I set traps for him. And um, <laughs> To Santa Claus? Yeah, I set traps. Oh, my gosh. Uh, every year. I set my daughter is like, will not set, help me. So, like a Santa trap. So it started when my daughter was like three because she was going around the house talking about how great Santa was. Yeah. And I was getting mad. <laughs> and... <laughs> See, they don't see Santa Claus doesn't impede on moms. Santa Claus steps mm. on the toes of dads. So, yeah, you know that's an excellent point. And you know, and and you're like, yeah, why is this dude He's getting the all guy. the credit? Yeah, he is the man. So I decided to set a trap for him. I said, I'm going to catch him this year. <laughs> and when I catch him, I'm going to shave his beard and I'm going to expose him. And my daughter was like, Daddy, you can't do that. And I'm like, bet. And so I went and I got a fishing net and put it up. Over the and put it down over the fireplace. Yep. So when he comes out, he'll trip the thing. I put the cookies right there. Yeah. Trip the thing. The net falls on him. I got him. Yeah. Santa Claus is over, and I get all the credit. <laughs> okay. I'll take all the gifts and I'll get all the credit for it. And sure as I'm sleep half asleep on the couch, I catch my daughter unhooking the traps oh, I set for him. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So that is the amazing. ultimate betrayal, and uh, and then of course I got to play dumb in the morning and be like, <laughs> "How did he get out of this?" And then she's like looking at her mother, smiling, going, "I won't, I won't." Wow! So all the kids get together and and they set help set whenever I want to set traps for Santa. Every year I'm like, I'm getting him this year. Like enough of this. But, That's a good chapter for the book. Yeah, um, I haven't. You know, it's funny. Parenting is the one thing that I won't write about. Really. Because it's such a, like... I think you have excellent, amazing ideas. I think the biggest thing is, like, I'm still figuring it out. Mm. And it's one of those things where, like, I think I know something, and then I realize that I know anything. And that's, like, the one thing about uh, writing, I always feel like if you're not, if you're not, when what you say or what you're trying to push out, um, you have to be confident in it. And when parenting is the one thing that, like, I'm always trying to learn something new or try to figure something out, so... Maybe a book about how much it changes all the time because personalities dictate parenting. Yes. You know, because my my son, if I say I'm disappointed in him, he will cry. Mm. He even like he doesn't he even refers to me as father, like morning father. And like that's just his personality. Where my daughter, like if she could get away with it, she'd call me Tyrus, but she's not allowed to. <laughs> but she'll say it like being a like we'll be out to dinner and somebody will say, Tyrus, you're my favorite or something, and then she'll be like Tyrus, Tyrus. And I'd be like, you better watch it. My name's Daddy. <laughs> We're not on a first name basis, kid. You ain't got to like that. So, uh, so, I would buy that book. So uh, it's kind of like one of those things where I keep – it's a funny thing because you've, you've written a lot of books. And 
it's like I wrote the first one and I was like, uh, I did it. And then the second one was a lot easier mm-hmm. in terms of flow, mm-hmm. like when you get writing and stuff and knowing you when. Find your voice. Yeah. And so, and then it's become a thing. It's, I'm not even finished with this one. And we're already talking about this one's done. Like it's finished and uh, edits everything. It's ready to go. And this one is basically, it's not a sequel uh, to just Tyrus was an introduction to me and my thought process. Mm-hmm. This book is me putting my thought process into stuff that's going on today. Okay. So it's basically like you read the first book, you kind of get where I come from. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that you got to know where somebody stands before you listen to them. So, and then in this book is I'm taking a lot of stance, probably one of the biggest stances that uh, I, I want to call it controversial or not, but I do, as a man, I write about what abortion means to me as, mm-hmm. as especially as a child whose mother could have made that choice. Yep. Um, but I'm trying to remind everybody that it's a bad time. Mm. We've seen and forgotten wherever you fall on that spectrum. No one's celebrating that in those. There's a lot of broken hearts in those doctor's offices that have, that people have come to that decision and we've forgotten and we share and we, whether you're pro-life or you're, or, or you're not, you still forget you're sharing the pain of being in that decision. And we've forgotten that because one side tries to make it like it's something you do, like going out and getting a, a, a henta tattoo in the summertime. It's not, yeah. it's a life changing decision. Yeah. And as a man, what we forget sometimes is that we are helpless in our decision. Pro- like we, no matter what we say is wrong. And I know I experienced, I went through it. I've been in that office because you try to be the right guy. And so, well, if that's your decision, then I, I'll take you. And you go through that process and you're sitting in that building and no one's making eye contact. Yeah. Everyone wishes they were somewhere else. Mm-hmm. No one's celebrating. It's not a, it's not a, a sign of independence or, or, or womanhood. Yeah. None of that stuff. It's a bad day. And we need to remember that. And if we both can, these groups that are at each other's throat, remember that if someone makes that decision, they have to live with that decision the rest of their life. Right. And I think people lie to themselves, so they lie to the cameras because the camera brings out the worst in everybody. Um, those decisions haunt you. And so instead of getting into a battle of ideals, ask them how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. because I will never, I will always remember the color of the wall, the smell of the building. Looking for any way out, you know, even look, even a, eye contact from a stranger, just reassuring sometimes like mm. it's okay, you know, and for a lot of people that wasn't the case, you know, and you could even see some, it was a financial decision sometimes, a mother of five and she's pregnant again and the dad's working and she's sneaking over there. That is not a happy moment. You know, and we forget those things and we have to. And if we would stop being at each other's throat over how we feel. Yeah. You might actually do more good than harm where maybe somebody just needed someone to listen to them. Yes. Or come up with a plan. Yep. And you can't do those things. Nope. If you're telling them they're wrong at the first point you meet them. We have to get. And a lot of that's from that discord where we got into this thing where you said black and white, black and white. We need to remember that there's a huge gray area and we've forgotten it. because. That's where the that's where the deals are made. That's where the friendships are made. That's where bonds and lives are saved is in that gray area. I love that you're thinking about that, that you're talking about that. You're not afraid 
to explore both sides. That to me. Because listen, I don't think a man has a right to tell a woman to do anything with his body. So that's why I always say my hands are out of it. But I've also been a man who's been on the side of a decision that I wasn't okay with. Yes. But as a man, if I expressed my disappointment in a decision, I'm a bad guy. Mm. If I do nothing and say, okay, well, handle it yourself, I'm a bad guy. Yes. Then I do the right thing. I'll I'll pay. I'll take you. I'll be supportive. But then I got to sit in that room and every eye's on me in there. Is am I an abusive guy making sure she's doing it? Mm. Am I this? Am I that? All these things you're feeling. And, and the whole time I was like, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's from that experience. And the worst thing you'll hear, and I don't need to bring into the person's identity, but it was like maybe four years later and a chance encounter ran into each other again and still living with that decision. Yes. I don't think I made the right decision. And I just remember we can't get it back. Yeah. But it never goes away. So don't be so quick to make each other the devil. Mm-hmm. Because chances are, if we listen to each other, you might you might change some minds or help somebody see another way, or at least help them mourn the process of a decision that will haunt them the rest of their lives. And if they say it doesn't, they're a liar. You are such a good human, and I feel I so that. lucky to know you. Uh, and you know, to be continued because I just I love the way you think. I love what you talk about. I love your love of family. And and that's why you made the Dean's List. Yeah. Well, thank you. And that's the style of my book, Nuff Said. Like we, <gasps> and we're throwing some out. jabs, but we're not, you know, but we're, we're going to take some jabs too, but I'm fine with it. November 2023. And then how can people find out about the wrestling, the comedy, oh, the everything? Everything's on my link tree. Uh, you can catch it. I only have two forms of social media uh, and Twitter or X? Is it X now? Yeah, I think it's X. X. I, I'm still going to call it Twitter. I like the X. I got to be honest. You I do? do? Like, I do like the X. Okay. I dig the X. But uh, yeah, I keep looking for the bird, though. I'm like, <laughs> whose app is this? You know, I was like, I oh, it's feel mine. like he could have incorporated the bird somehow in the X, but. Yeah, at least a feather floating or something. Something. Come on, Elon. I know he's focused on his fight. But uh, you can, Planet Tyrus, uh, I guess you don't even say verified anymore because we're all verified. But uh, Planet Tyrus on Twitter and Tyrus Smash on Instagram. Those are my only two forms of social media. And uh, you can just click the link tree and, and go right to my book. I love it. You think that Elon and Zucker are going to fight? Zuckerberg. I think if his neck and back, if he doesn't need a bacchiotomy. Uh, <laughs> but again, even if they do, the only reason why I'm pushing it so hard is they both agreed to donate charity charity to veterans. So yep. they're going to raise a ton of money. Okay. I mean, I'm talking it'll be in the high. I would say they could probably order their fight alone will probably generate, you know, the high maybe fifty million dollars. They're going to make a lot of money, and that and that going to the veterans is going to that's that's going to make a big splash. All right, so, let's hold them to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I think they will, even if it is the worst slap fight we've ever seen. <laughs> You and kill me. Well, I was being polite. <laughs> I was a cat playing with my toy. I was just being. I was trying to help him out. You talked about viral videos. I have a feeling that's out there. I think the pro when I snatched him by the neck because he got a little exuberant. And I had to remind him, like, hey, it's I can end this time, whenever I want. It's just, the first time he's not been able to like toss to break. Yeah, he was. You hear him trying to yell, yes. "Go to break, go yes. to break." Yeah. It's all right. I think it should, again, it could be a But Fox again, Nation not special. a finer, finer human being on a this planet thousand than percent. Kilmeade and his new book. Uh, I had, I'm actually writing, I wrote the blurb for it. 
and it Teddy is Roosevelt, a, my oh, favorite president. And Booker T, he has captured a story that is so relevant today. Like, if you read that book, the stuff we're going through today is yes. it's scary how similar it was. Yes. And and I love that Kill Me. People don't realize Kill Me is a cool dude, He's brilliant. man. Like him and James Brown. Uh, 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 sorry, not James Brown. <laughs> I got all excited about it. Jim Brown. Him and Jim Brown were buddies, man. And like, yeah. if, you, if you could say Jim Brown's your buddy, you are all right with me. Yeah. I love you, buddy. Thank you so much oh, for thank everything. You. Thank you, Tyrus, for coming on the Janice Dean podcast. Holy moly, I could have talked to him for at least another hour or two. We will have him back, especially when his book comes out in November called Nuff Said, which you can pre-order wherever books are sold, or you can visit his social media accounts. For more information on Twitter, he's at Planet Tyrus and Instagram at Tyrus Smash. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.